Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to Your Story is a Legacy show. My name is Rosanna Jackalone, and I'll be your host, your life story guide, your legacy coach, your spiritual healer, and friend. This show will help you get inspired and give you resources and practical tips so you can craft and tell your unique life story for yourself, your children, and generations to come. I bet you were asking, well, how will this show make my life better? It will do that by first, helping you to get to know yourself more deeply and in the process, learn your passions and the unique gifts you bring to the world. Second, it helps you get through transitions, things like job loss, marriage, childbirth, relocation, even things like divorce. It also helps you heal by turning traumas in your life into triumphs. And finally, it helps you create a legacy to leave for yourself, your family, and future generations. If that sounds good to you, let's begin our journey together. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. I'm so excited for this interview today. I know I've already, spoiler alert, I've shared news about her to several of you, but the special woman that I'm introducing you to has an incredible role of being both a psychotherapist and somebody who can absolutely transform our lives. She has spent over 18 years combining her education, her training, and working with women as a licensed psychotherapist so that ultimately she could also bring this success to an entrepreneur to build a powerful mindset and instill the pillars of long-lasting success. The other thing about Heidi that I've come to know, which is interesting, a little fun fact you'd want to know, is that She blasts rap music in her car uh, when it's only her. So we can test her out on the lyrics if you reach out to her. And uh, I was also surprised to find out as a woman who loves spicy food myself, she can eat the highest level of spice. So in preparation for this interview, I was at a Thai restaurant the other night and had a medium spice thinking, oh, Heidi, come on. I was dying. So Heidi... With that, I'm going to turn this over to you and say welcome to the show. I'm so excited my listeners get to meet you, and hopefully they'll be doing some more follow-up after this show. So good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to, the spice thing, um, I just find hysterical. I'm thinking we have to have lunch sometime. Oh. <laughs> Hi thing, right? We've got to compare spice palettes here. Yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to beat me on that contest. But so Heidi, I think this would be so interesting for our listeners to hear. Let's talk about your story and how you arrived at the place you are today as both a licensed psychotherapist, as well as a transformation strategist. Yeah. Um, You know, I have always really enjoyed like self-help readings and personal development um, just in general. And I had to really go back and think about like, where did that come from? Because You know, I don't know any young child and I've got three at home, you know, who's Uh, like, oh, can you give me some self-help stuff? And, you know, I really think this is so interesting because I I really don't even think about this experience much, but my self-esteem took a huge hit in my adolescence um, from some bullying that happened, creating a lot of confusion for me, actually. I couldn't understand um, what I was doing to really warrant that type of behavior. And some of the explanations I got from family and, you know, professionals, even school administration was that, you know, they're jealous of you. And really, that only made me look at a lot of my strengths as actual vulnerabilities. 
you know, because I, I knew I, I was smart and I was pretty and I was likable and I was recognized even as I think for the first time ever it was like sixth grade. I was recognized for a big leadership thing where I was like, I represented the state of Connecticut out in Washington, DC. You know? So, so when I heard this feedback, you know, that they're jealous of me, I, I began to feel really ashamed of who I was actually. I didn't feel proud. Um, and what I didn't know at that time though, was that my sense of self-worth was contingent upon my sense of belonging and acceptance within my peer group. And I, I think that's age appropriate, but it really took on a life of its own. And how I interpreted this dynamic was that I needed to be who my peers wanted me to be in order to fit in. And that created inner turmoil. I didn't know at the time that it was inner turmoil. I know now that it was inner turmoil. Um, and that's that same inner turmoil that my clients come and present to me. Um, and, and that childhood experience, though, I think that was the catalyst um, to my fascination with self-help and personal development, because I can remember, you know, an odd, an odd duck, right? Um, <laughs> reading the Sweet Valley High books that, my, that all the girls were reading that I went to school with. I was listening to Jack Canfield on cassette tape, right? Cassette tape. Um, and, you know, it wasn't, it, it was just, I don't know. I don't know who introduced me to it, but it was like, oh, I like this stuff. You know, it wasn't intentional that I was like trying to transform my mindset with such rich material. It was just, I liked what I was listening to and I liked what I was reading. So now as an adult, when I reflect on the other various life experiences that, you know, were far more, you know, meaty, you know, the things I've gone through, I mean, my parents divorced when I was much older. I had my own divorce. There was infidelity, dealing with narcissists, dysfunctional family relationships, single parenting, family secrets. I mean, I could probably go on, right? <laughs> and so when people ask me, like, how did you go through all of that? I'm, I'm actually convinced it's because at such an early age, um, I was exposed to just some foundational things that allowed me to just know to not stay in that victim mentality as these situations were going on. I, I didn't have it all. I just knew it was a circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and please know that there was fear and uncertainty and hurt and anger and confusion and all that stuff, but I didn't live in those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to learn how to navigate through the emotional blocks because Otherwise, they were costing me my success in business, um, joy in my life, belief in the greater good. And so now in, you know, in my role as a clinician, as a transformation strategist, to be able to shine the light on the destructive patterns and the emotional blocks for my clients, it it really is the greatest gift I could give to them. Okay. And it's really an incredible story that you share with great detail and color. But I think it's interesting, Heidi, because it's, it's almost, is that what led you into this field to begin with? You said, I'm, I went through all of this and I don't want any other people to do it. And I'm, but did you say I'm going to be a psychotherapist first before you said, I'm going to work on this uh, because you are approaching it from two different angles. Yeah. So, so I don't think it was conscious of I've been through all of this because my work in psychotherapy began before I went through a lot of these different, you know, life adversities, right? These traumas. Um, It was my ability to know there is a solution. I believed at a young age, I believed there were solutions. And I also believed in my ability to connect with other people. I was an old soul. As As a young girl, I was an old soul. And I just kind of knew that that was ultimately my direction. Um, and, and the transformation strategist piece came from, you know, I'd been working in a clinical setting for, for 17, 18 years, because now it's more than two decades. And, and um, I knew that there were people coming to me with a great deal of distress. They didn't qualify for a clinical diagnosis. But their distress was was evident. 
And so I thought I have to be able to help these people too, right? It would be unethical for me to say, oh, you've got some kind of like generalized anxiety disorder because it wasn't, Mm -hmm. but they still needed help navigating through life. Um, and, and so that's where it was like, I, I know I can do this, you know, kind of like I'm being called to, to figure out a solution now here in this, in this new entity. Um, and you know, I liked the idea of being able to help more people, you know, so, so the coaching piece, um, through the transformation methodology, it just, for me, it was like, I'm eliminating barriers. I'm creating more access to help more people. Okay, which leads me, it's a perfect segue to the next sentence, because I'd like you to talk about your transformation methodology, which you've used to help so many CEOs and executives and entrepreneurs with a real life example that I hear from my listeners all the time, which is they want to start to tell their life story. They want to leave uh, it. Not only it's sort of like something personal for them, but leave a legacy for their children but they're bursting at the seams. They're juggling all of these things. It's using the transformation method. How would you address uh, a woman like that uh, to just give them permission, if you will, to carve out time? It is about permission. That's a great word. Um, So, you know, as you can see from my own personal experience, right, the transformation methodology doesn't protect you from difficult circumstances in your life, right? But what it, what it will do is it will preserve your well-being so that in the process of going through these difficult circumstances, um, you know, you're, you are um, still at a place of well-being, Um, And so sometimes our lifestyles are bursting at the seams, you know, and without even realizing it, we've sort of overcommitted or overextended. I also, though, really want to encourage all of the listeners today to just be curious if staying busy is also a way that they create an escape from having to sit and commit to writing that story. You know, sometimes... Sometimes working really long hours, it is a form of escapism. Um, Sometimes that identity of being the overachiever and always overextending yourself is the way that you measure your self-worth. And so when I'm working with my clients, you know, I'm, I'm introducing, you know, the idea around boundaries and limits. I don't think this is anything that people haven't heard before, right? But what I do do differently is I listen very closely to the client's resistance when I, when, when I introduce just obvious boundaries and limits that I can see. And they're obvious to me because I'm not the client, right? Just like if you were looking at my life, you would be able to see something obvious that I can't see because I, I have subjectivity there. But when I listen closely and I hear the resistance, I know I've just uncovered their limiting belief. Okay, so this is a a fun thing too. When was your uh aha moment where you said, I am this woman, I have three children, I'm a wife, I'm a clinical therapist, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I, I feel like I'm also bursting at the seams and I really need to organize my days to get this all in control. When did that happen for you? And how did it happen for you? So it actually, I think it's important to note, number one, that, that going through it, I didn't have that, that awareness, right. But in the end, I had that awareness. So, so I can tell you six years ago, I was on vacation, sitting on a beach with my family, watching my children play along the shoreline. And my youngest was three years old. I mean, absolutely adorable, you know, and she was splashing and hopping in the water with those, you know, little feet in her little hands. And she's saying, you know, look, mommy, I'm splashing. Right. And, and I can tell you sharing this moment with you right now, I feel 10 times more joy than I was feeling in the actual moment. And, and I, I was aware of that. And And I remember coming back and relaying this to my therapist at the time, so desperate to feel the joy. And I, I was, I was locked out of it. I knew it was in my body. 
but I was, it was locked up inside of me and it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a time in my life where I'm sitting there like knocking my head against the wall because I had so much that was going right in my life. I mean, I was leading this statewide behavioral health contract that was getting national recognition. My husband and I had just purchased a new home that we were renovating, you know, so we're making it come to life. We're so excited. I had these three healthy, beautiful little girls, right? Yet there was this emptiness inside of me. And, and that was a pivotal moment because that's when I uncovered, you know, that I, I had become out of alignment with myself. And that is when I held value that doing this personal development work, listen, this is a lifelong commitment. It is never, the work is never done. And, and that mattered a lot to me because through the years since then, when, when I'm working with different um, people, even, even if I'm interviewing someone to, to now become my next coach and they tell me, oh yeah, I've done all that work. They, they're eliminated from being, from working with me because the work is never done. Right. And so it wasn't about the things that I had in my life in that moment. It was about the way I was living and I was pushing the envelope in one direction at the expense of me having to, um, or being able to find the time to connect with myself, which I know is something I need at my core. It is an absolute necessity in order for me to be present in life. I have to create space and be present with myself Um, in order for me to be approachable, right? I need to have cultivated um, that connection with myself so that I'm grounded so that, you know, I'm responding. I'm not reacting, you know, it's, and, and at that time I was grinding, I was hustling and I was succeeding, Oh, on the outside, I mean, it was, but inside I was a mess and I knew I I was 100%. I owned it. I knew I was the only person that could do the work to get my life together. It wasn't about, you know, buying something or investing in something. It was, Heidi, you got to get real here and you got to do this work. And, um, and that's when I really, I, I prioritized and protected time for myself every single morning. Um, And I started testing that. I mean, because then I was seeing leaps and bounds. Like it was, it it was such a different process, right? I was slowing down to actually catapult forward. Um, And I started incorporating these strategies with my clients and I saw, oh my gosh, this is working for them too. Right. And it was, it felt counterintuitive to me and to them. I said, just trust me here. Right. Just trust me. And then, you know, I started getting into subconscious reprogramming and I realized, you know, there, there are little ways that these limiting beliefs still show up. Oh my goodness. Right. I started doing the same thing with my clients. It worked. Right. And over time, there were just more of these examples. And finally I said, now I need to systemize this process and I need to simplify it because far too often we're presented with interventions or strategies that are just, they're so complicated. And that's why it's never sustainable for anyone. Um, and, and so that I feel has just been the brilliance behind the transformation methodology. Okay. And what specifically, as you're talking about how you've to systemize and prioritize has being a mother changed that for you? Meaning was that one of the great um, catalysts, if you will. And then now having three daughters, have you already taught them some of these foundational building blocks young in their young ages, I should say? 100%. I mean, my children, they are my mirror and they are my inspiration, right? I mean, so, and and I say this with love. I, I know a lot of times women, especially they have a really hard time prioritizing themselves, but if they can see the benefit it will have on their children, they're, they're all of a sudden I I've got their ear at least, you know, and, and to be honest, you know, part of this was for me too. You know, I, I felt that same responsibility. I still do. I still feel that same responsibility. And you know what? I am celebrating these wins and I will share with you. So my youngest is now nine years old. Wow. 
And she just had a really big um, ballet um, exam. And so she, she's sitting there telling me, you know, in, for all the moms listening, I mean, I, I get so much value out of driving my kids back and forth to this dance studio, right? Like if, if you're having a hard time talking to your kids, just drive them around a little bit, you know, like they're going to become chatterboxes. So we're in the car and she's telling me this story about how, you know, some of the more seasoned dancers were telling her that it's bad luck to pin your own number on you. And so she didn't realize that. And she had put her number on herself. Then the next day, just automatically, she had done the same thing. And the third day she did it again. And she said aloud, oh, shoot, I put on my own number again. And so the other girls were like, ooh, that's bad luck. And she goes, and so I said, no, I don't think this is about luck at all. I think it's about confidence. And I just giggled. And I looked at her. She said, I gave her a high five. I said, you said that? She was like, I said, wait, you said that out loud or that was your inside voice? She goes, no, I said it out loud. I said, give me another high five. Like, I was so proud of her. But I know, I know it's, I've never had that conversation with her. I didn't even know about, you know, this is because children are sponges. And so what we are doing, they see us do, they soak it up what we say out loud, you know, and I'm saying the thing, not the, not the formal conversations we want them to hear where we think we're teaching them the lesson. It's the casual things that we're saying day in and day out over and over again. They soak that up. And, and, and that was a testament of that for me that day. Okay. Heidi, I have to tell you, because I think I played this song 10 times after listening. I don't know if you remember when we were in one of our early first meetings, uh, when I said, tell me like a life-changing moment for you. And you talked about, you said, you know what? I can't, I can tell you a moment and this song comes to mind. And it was the Ben Platt acoustic version. It was your daughter's birth, if I recall, your first daughter. Yeah. And um, and you said that song, Imagine, takes me there. And it was, you know, I want you to share that because I think it's, it is a really beautiful, like I had that song. So, you know, on like autoplay because I loved the song, but you made me revisit. And I think it's so important for people to connect, as you say, to get back in those moments. So I think just, I think it's a fun indulgence moment before we get back to something, but because there were so many mothers listening to this show I thought that was really beautiful. So I think that's great to share. Because the question was, I said, I had asked Heidi, I was like, tell me a moment that changed your life. And instead she went back to this moment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, so I think for most people, I mean, there's something special about your firstborn, right? It's just, everything is just so planned and so intentional, right? Um, and so my daughter, my, my oldest daughter, um, was dancing competitively and she didn't tell me the song, but she said, mom, I really think you're going to like it. And I, and she goes, do you want to hear it? I said, no, save it for the showcase. Just save it. And I had never heard the song before, but but music for me, music is, is just, it is a way of bringing about feelings. And once, you know, I'm in that feeling stage, I, it is like, magic for me. And so the song starts and then the lyrics start. So if anyone's listening, you know what I'm talking about. There's like this procession in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how does she know that this song would connect? Because we haven't talked about things like that, you know, like, I, I mean, so I'm listening to these lyrics and all I'm thinking about is the day she was born and how it's like, Oh, I could just lose it right now. You know, she's, she says to me, like, you're my hero. Oh my gosh, little girl. Like, if you only knew, you know, you are such a hero to me. And, and that I think, you know, for, for moms that are listening that, um, I think that's a, that's a common feeling. Like you, you grow this beautiful baby. It is such a miracle right? You grow this beautiful baby from like, 
you know, skin to major organs to bones and eyeballs that's happening within you. And then you meet this little child who is just your hero. Um, so yeah, that, that was a moment. That was absolutely a moment. Okay. And just by the way, everyone, I will be including this in the show notes along with more information about Heidi, which we'll talk about at the end, but that was such a little bonus. And so I feel like you can play that song and also think about Heidi. It's really (laughs) incredible. So, okay. Heidi, back to the regularly scheduled show is tell uh, the listeners, what do you do to ground yourself on a daily basis? You know, it's so funny, Rosanna, when um, I, I get this deer in headlights reaction, when I tell my clients, the first eight things on my to-do list every single morning are just about me. And, and they're like, what? And I'm like, yep, it's not about my business. It's not about my household. It's not about my husband. It's not. And they're like, it's not even about your kids. I'm like, no, it's not about my kids. It is about me. Um, and so I do, I have this beautiful ritual um, that I do every single morning, even if I'm traveling, even if I'm, you know, out of my, you know, comfort zone in my own home, it doesn't matter because really it is, it is that grounding. It is that critical. Um, and it starts with, you know, I wake up, I make myself a cup of coffee. I prep my vitamins that I take every single morning. I sit down and I go through this journal exercise, which, um, includes, um, writing out affirmations, um, acknowledging my gratitudes. Uh, I rewrite right now. I'm rewriting three stories. I, I start with my clients with just one at a time, but I rewrite stories that are based on limiting beliefs. I set an intention for the day and I record a celebration from the last 24 hours of my life. Um, It's recognizing some type of progress or some type of high five moment for myself where, you know, it's like, I I did good, you know? Um, Then I move on. I've got a workout routine um, that I do. I mean, it may vary by the day, but it's at least 30 minutes of just moving my body. And let me tell you, that is not something that I will sit here and say, like, I love doing, but I love how I feel after I do it. And that's why I do it. It's, you know, it's, I've learned to accept it. Um, I do a daily reading. I also read 10 pages of some type of um, personal development book. Right now I'm reading Ed Milet's The Power of One. Um, and um, I'm actually, I do one uh, lesson on Duolingo. I'm learning French. So don't ask me to say anything because it will make me too nervous and I'll screw it all up. But um, yeah. And, and I do my wordle every morning, but you know, it's kind of funny. Like some of those things, it's not about like, you know, what do I get from it? It's just, I like it. I like doing the wordle. I like doing the French thing. I always wanted to take French. I didn't, I don't know why. And so I'm doing it and it's just my time to do me. Uh-huh. Okay. So now this leads into the next question. Boundaries, such an important topic. You brought it up before and I've shared on past shows that I read an incredible book years ago by, I think it's Charles Townsend on setting boundaries. And it's something that I use in personal relationships, everything And so you said, oh, yeah, people know about that, know about it. I could tell you how many years it took me to put that in practice. So talk to, I think, this audience about what you do to reinforce the boundaries in your life. Yeah. You know, one of my affirmations every morning is I live by my own rules. Um, I re I reinforce that every morning um, because really that's, that's where my boundaries come from. Um, at today, that's where they come from. That's not where they came from all, you know, always, but, you know, first it's accepting that really boundaries are there for, um, it, it's all about self-preservation. It's, it's not about keeping someone or something out. It's about preserving what is most important to you. Um, and then, you know, the other piece around boundaries for me is, you know, a boundary is just a spoken limit or a a defined, you know, line in the sand or or something. But 
But then there's the accountability piece and that's holding people to the boundary. And that actually is more important than the actual boundary itself, because you can set a boundary, you know, don't, don't come to my house until anytime after five, you're welcome. Right. And the person shows up at three o'clock and it's like, you know, it's really nice that you came early. Although I'm not going to be able to give you the, the time and space to be able to visit right now, you know, but you know, here, if you want to go down the road, you know, enjoy this, blah, 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 come back at five and you will have my full attention. You know, it's like holding the person accountable. It doesn't have to be aggressive. It doesn't have to be a, a confrontational, but you know, it's, if you say, if you set a boundary and then you don't hold the person accountable to it, what was the point of setting the boundary in the first place? And you don't hold the, the, you know, if you don't hold the accountability to the boundary, ultimately, and listen, I know this is going to rattle a few people, but ultimately what the anger is about when, when you don't hold accountability to the boundary, it's really resentment towards self because you knew that the boundary was important to you, but then you abandoned it. And you held that power and you made that choice. Mm -hmm. And then you're frustrated that you did that because you didn't honor yourself and what you needed in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important, um, it really is such an important topic. There was a, a woman, Heidi, I remember meeting years ago. And when I went through my own divorce, one of the things we talked about was boundaries. And I said, well, how would you, she who's in a 60 year marriage, an incredible marriage by all definitions of healthy, wonderful, supportive. She said, well, when you gave a boundary, you didn't give consequences. You would say, I, I'm not okay because you're not respecting my boundary. But you said you could say it, but unless you do it, and I remember saying, okay, tell me how you would do this. And in this instance, it was um, a, a husband speaking to you in a manner that wasn't acceptable to you. And I would say, well, that's not acceptable. And she said, no. She said, I would say, if you speak to me that way again, I'm going to go stay at my sister's house and I'll be back in a day. And I remember thinking, Heidi, how absolute, I thought it sounded out there. And yet she is one of the most well-balanced, loving. So it sounded aggressive, but yeah. it worked. I mean, it's, it's like it worked. Right. And, and I think in the beginning, when boundaries are new to a person, it does sound aggressive. It does sound confrontational because it's out of your comfort zone. Right. And so, you know, I used to hand a lot to motion to clients because a lot of my work is virtual. Right. And I'm like, literally think of the hand. It's like, nope, I'm not going there. You know, like that, you're, you know, the, the energy that that person is meeting you with, that is not in alignment with you. It's not respectful. It's not, uh, it's not engaging. It's, it, you know, whatever it's condescending, what, however you want to label it. It's like, you know what, we're going to stop this conversation now. And we're going to revisit when we're both in a better place to have this conversation, right? It, it, no, 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 you want to, no, no, I just said the conversation is over, right? And if you continue to keep talking to me, I'm going to walk out of the room or I'm going to walk out of the house or I'm going to go take a drive or I'm going, right? It's like the physical boundary. Like if you're not going to honor my words, I will remove myself completely because I'm not having the conversation right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so that does feel, you know, you have to, it's almost like upping the ante a little bit, right? But it's like, hey, for a person who's never had boundaries before, it's new for you. It's also new for your circle of people that you're using them with. Mm -hmm. And so there, there is this transitional moment where the person, you know, the person you're speaking with is like, is she for real? And you, and you have to, you have to demonstrate like, yeah, I'm for real. I'm for real. Right. And I, and I can guarantee you, if you have to leave the house and go sleep at your sister's or go and take the drive, that will happen one time. And then that person knows you're for real. So the next time you say it, don't make me have to go out and take that drive again. Cause I'm not having this conversation right now, you know? Um, and, and, and then you can see, you know, by doing your confidence grows, your competence grows with this, right. And your posture changes, right. Where you're not even personalizing this anymore. You're just so clear. This is my boundary. I'm not, I'm not going there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's, that's, I think, a great lesson. I think everybody, because we have people on the show who are in their 20s, who are also still working through boundaries. So I think that's an invaluable point. Um, all right, so Heidi, do you give yourself to dream? permission to dream, time to dream so that you can say in this incredible world that you've created, what's next? Like the, what's the next big thing that's exciting? Do you give yourself time and permission to do that? Absolutely. And you know what? I will tell you, um, you know, order is one of the pillars of the transformation methodology, right? And so every morning when I'm doing that journal exercise, it is without fail. It, it is so routine now in my brain. It's predictable. It actually stimulates this creative process. And I have so many like aha moments. So I connect so many dots. I'm like, oh my gosh, actually, you know, this, this is what this is, you know, and I'm, I'm jotting little notes in the margin, you know? And so that is my place where sometimes things will just come up like, Hmm you know, right, right now it's, you know, we're, we're, I really would like to bring my kids to Europe next, um, next spring. And so, you know, I'm toying with this idea and I'm like, how could this happen? How are we going to make this happen? You know, but it's like my dreaming time. It's like, you know, it, and just as things come, it's like, there's no accident when you allow yourself to step into that, what you receive, there's, it's, it's not, you know, just coincidence. It really is the things that you hold true to you deep down inside. They, they rise to the top. They absolutely rise to the top. The other thing I will tell you is, um, I've done dream boards. It's nothing. I don't do it on any, you know, special frequency or anything, but, um, you know, there, there are times even at the beginning of the pandemic, right? My husband and I are sitting here like, oh my gosh, if the beaches don't open, if, you know, if we're stuck here with the kids like all summer, you know, cause the two week window, you know, quickly was like, this is, this is going to be here for a little bit. You know, I'm like, I'm like, we've, we've been talking about putting in a pool for a long time. I don't know. Maybe this is the sign. Maybe this is the time right now. I know so many people in our world were like, are you kidding me? Like we are in a pandemic. Like, what are you thinking? People are not working here. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no, I think this is our time. I think this is what needs to happen. And so we put in the pool and so, and we, there's not a day there. In fact, as soon as it closes, my husband and I are like, oh my gosh, we cannot wait to open that pool again. Right. I look at it from my office. I watch my kids. If I'm working, it is joy for me. It is. But that all came from, I had a pool on that dream board for so many years, right? This wasn't an impulsive, like, oh, let's, let's go to, you know, sacks and drop a ton of money. Right. This was like, this was in us. This was, this was manifested for a long time. And because it was manifested for so long in, in the moment where there was a possibility, it became a real opportunity. Um, and so, yes, I mean, dreaming is like dreaming is life. Uh-huh. Dreaming is life. I love that. I love that. It is life. Um, okay. So who inspires you? Man, I struggle with this question. I really do because I think I'm actually very easily inspired. I mean, like, did you watch Beyonce's latest video that dropped? Right. I mean, just, oh my God. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, and one example of, you know, these women who like, they step into their brilliance, they embrace who they are, you know, they, they step into their authority and, and yet they exude like permission to all the rest of us, like, go ahead, do the same, you know, <laughs> just something contagious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't know that it's any one person. I mean, Brene Brown actually is another great example. Like as soon as I see that she's dropping another book, I'm like pre-order, you know? <laughs> um, and, and, but I think it's like this theme of, you know, people who are really willing to do their own work. Um, and because that takes so much courage and I just, I really admire that because when you do your own work, you, you know, when someone else is doing their work, like that's, that's no easy feat right there. And I have complete respect for that. Um, and, and then I think, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by my clients. You know, I, I gotta tell you, I'm still like, they, they, they continue to teach me like so much. I have these moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, 
the fact that this woman as, as a, um, as a devout, you know, Christian can go and open up her arms when her daughter comes out to her and, and offer love and embrace and acknowledge like, this is something I never believed in, but I love you. I'm like that to me, like, thank you. That is courage. You know, that is from the work that we have done together. It is, it is, it is beautiful. And I'm inspired by that. Um, yeah. Okay. Another issue that comes up a lot is marital, mm-hmm. uh, anything around marital. So I won't say issue, but issues. That's something I read a lot from our listeners and from people who follow me. Um, and I'm sure you deal with marital issues in your practice of, as we've discussed, what would be the best piece of marital wisdom that's come from your many, your many sessions of dealing with couples? Let, let me, let me say this and it's with complete respect, right? I, because I know your listeners, right? They're, they're hardworking and they are showing up at work you know, not just to do their job, it is to shine. Right. And, and so they put so much time and energy and thought and intention in what they're doing for themselves professionally. And it's so easy after, um, you know, expending that much physical and emotional energy to come home and not have much left. And I think a lot of times relationships suffer because of that. And so, um, I'm all about leverage. You know, if Robert Kawasaki like taught us anything like leverage about business, well, let's look at leverage for our relationships too, because that woman that I'm working with, um, who is showing up at work and doing a dang good job and is coming home feeling completely depleted. They're often also feeling like at a loss of, I don't know what more you want me to do right? Like I've just done so much and now you're asking me to do something else. And it feels like a complete over ask or a complete burden. And I know that that is not how that woman sees their partner or spouse, or, you know, it, it is just the consequence of the lifestyle, but how I can bring them into working on their marriage and accepting that there is work to be done here is by leveraging the processes and practices from their work environment. And so I'll give you an example, you know, something that um, actually I didn't even realize is, is so recognizable as this thing called the morning meeting. Right. (laughs) And so like people in corporate settings or people in, um, in sales, especially like they, I say morning meeting and they're like, Oh yeah, Yep. 8.30 every morning. Like, you know, so it's, it's this for people who don't know, right. It's this um, sort of coming together in the workplace at the same time every morning where we review, you know, goals for the day. We go through, you know, agendas or schedules. We set targets um, and everyone at that meeting knows their role, their, what they're doing to contribute to the overall goal. Right. And so it's just kind of a a starting off point. And I say to my, to my clients or my couples, I say, what about a morning meeting? Right. And now the function of this meeting, it's, it's different from your um, work morning meeting, but, but it's going to be a little similar too. like, you guys need a sort of a, a, a touch point. You guys need to have each other's undivided attention to first just review the logistics, right? Because the logistics of, of managing your household or parenting or whatever has become stressful because you're, you're two ships passing in the night, right? So let's just review like what's on the daily calendar, who needs to be where, when, how is it all happening, right? And then let's work from there. This, this becomes the vehicle to just create daily communication, daily check-in. Because, hey, sometimes my clients admit it's been a few days since I've sat down with my partner and had a full conversation. Hey, we're going to change that. The second thing is, in a lot of relationships, you know, there, when there's tension and when there's stress and overwhelm, 
there, there's a lot of intense conversations and they typically don't end with closure. They just end because it's become too overwhelming. And so that morning meeting serves as a really natural follow-up to, Hey, you know, I was thinking about, you know, last night, you know, when we were discussing this or, you know, Monday night when we were going through blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and it's a circle back there. Um, because I do encourage, you know, my, my clients that you've got about a 36 hour window that you need to circle back and at least acknowledge where you're at in dealing with whatever the situation is on the table. Because if you don't at least acknowledge that you're thinking about it and you're, you're, you know, planning what you want to say or whatever, it sends the message that you've just moved on and it's not important to you. Right. And time has a factor of working for us up into a certain point, and then it starts to work against us, right? So we really want to be mindful of how much time we let pass without acknowledging we, we've got to talk about this. You know, there, there's an issue here. So when I introduce things that are familiar and routine in the workplace to now, you know, um, become a, a natural practice at home, it really eliminates um, some of the resistance for my clients because they can't argue it does work in the workplace. Otherwise, your workplace wouldn't be doing it and they wouldn't be doing it for years and years and years, right? People wouldn't know the morning meeting the way they do if it didn't work. So we have to at least give it a shot here um, at home. So um, that's that's one example of, of how I really try to, to bring things together. Great. Okay, now, Heidi this come to the fun part with all of these pieces of your life coming together. Have you thought about uh, crafting your own life story? Absolutely. You've got the person by the way, but tell me why. (laughs) I do have the the person. I know I have the person. Um, So, you know, the reason why is because I reflect all the time. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm just such a curious person. I'm always reflecting about my life story. And um, I've realized that there were a lot of contradictory messages that I heard throughout my life. And um, I believe that is a universal experience, especially for women. Um, And, and, and so I'd like to tell that story. And I'd like to tell that story from a place of, humor at times because it is very funny, um, but also from a place of um, rising out of pain and and now realizing, you know, coming to a new truth about those messages. Also realizing there's value on, on both sides. Some of the, you know, some of the, the messages that I heard just around being independent, for instance, right? I was Um, I I learned how to be independent at 18 when I thought my family was filing my taxes for me and they didn't. And they said, well, you're 18 now. That is your job. You're independent. Oh my God. Nobody told me. Now, now I can say that now and I'm, I'm okay because I am, I am so smart and savvy about, you know, like I, I know things that you know, even my husband's like, how did you know that? I'm like, well, when you're 18 and you got to figure out how to file your taxes, like in 10 days, like you learn this stuff pretty quick, you know? Um, but, but that's what it did teach me. Right. It was, it was, you know, like I had to become, I think now looking back on that overly independent at certain ages. Um, but now that's also sort of where my baseline is, you know, sort of my expectations of myself, which I don't know that that's a bad thing because I'm, I've achieved a lot of success in my life. I don't know if I would have, if I didn't have that, that baseline. Right. But, you know, as much as, um, you know, we hear messages about like live in the present moment. My dad would say to me all the time, like, Heidi, you got to smell the roses, you know, you, you got to, you know, and, and he would say, you're not happy unless your plate is overflowing. You know, you can only, I don't want to swear on this podcast, but he'd say you can only fit five pounds of crap or you try to fit 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag, you know, and I'm, but yet I had this pull to always be independent and to demonstrate I could do it all and I didn't have to rely on anybody else. So, so there's some, you know, examples of that. Um, And, and 
I think growing up with that, it, it, it made things um, confusing and it um, easily threw me out of alignment in, in many ways. My default behavior became do more, demonstrate you can do more. You know, I learned, you know, working in the behavioral health corporate, you know, setting that you do more and, and you don't get more money, you get more work. Right. And I was like, oh man, this, I don't like this lesson, you know? Um, so that's what I mean. Right? Like there is some humor in all of this, but really I, I want to draw awareness to this, you know, how, how can you, we be asking, you know, women to give themselves permission to dream when we're also saying, you know, you, you have to be, you know, successful and you have to be this involved mother that's at all these school functions and you, you know, all of these things. And that's why when I affirm every morning, I live by my own rules. I mean, I know people look at my husband and I, and they're like, what the heck is going on over there? I've even, you know, I've heard mutterings like, oh, Heidi's not a good mom, right? I don't play the traditional mom role. I am involved with my daughters, but my husband and I have very reverse roles. You know, he was just away at a, at a work trip. And I texted him. I said, I did three loads of laundry today. And he said, oh, you found the power button on the washer. I said, oh, I have the girls show me, you know? And it's like a running joke for us, right? But that's just, that's how we are and it works uh-huh. and, it, and, and we're good with it. But I want other women to step into that too and realize like, hey, listen, you know, you make your own rules. You have to find what works for you and then do it and do it with courage. Love yeah. that. Um, so tell me, what, is, what are words you live by? Hmm. I knew you were going to ask me this. Um, so, so I have formal words that I affirm and live by, like they are truths to me. And then I have a lot of um, words that I say that are just my automatic responses, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, I was reading this book called um, The Power of the Subconscious Mind or The Power of the Subconscious. I can't remember the exact title. It's by Joseph Murphy. And, and there was this line that just like, resonated with me. It's, um, and I affirm it every morning. I believe in good fortune, right action, divine guidance, and all of the blessings in my life. And I affirm that. And I believe that I believe in good fortune. I believe in right action. I, you know, I believe people wake up in the morning trying to do good. I don't believe people show up saying, I'm going to screw this up today. You know, I, I believe in the greater good. Um, but I also live by very casual mantras, um, things. There's two things actually that my, if you, if any of my children came in here, they would, they would recite these things um, because it, it's like gospel in our house, right? Something happens and there's a, there's a reaction, you know, we're, we're trying to share a shirt, you know, it's my turn to wear it. No, it's my turn. Is this a big problem or is this a small problem? And I just stop. And my girls roll their eyes and they're like, it's a small problem, right? Because so much of what we deal with in life, they are small problems and we just really make them into bigger things. And the other one that I say all the time is every problem has a solution. There's no use in stressing about this. There is a solution to every single problem. It might not be the ideal solution, but it is a solution. And so we have to find a solution and move on. That's it. Very good. That's the, I I would call that my word for that is I surrender. Uh, I surrender. I mean, I give it for me, I give it to God for other people who uh, everyone has different practices who listens to the show. It's just, they release it to the universe. It's like that took a lot of maturity and release of fear, but I do that all the time. I be like, if there is the most difficult situation going on in my life, I pray on it. And then I just say, I surrender. And it is the most freeing moment, free from anxiety, free from fear, fear. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know it's the solution the universe is providing something that's so much bigger than my little brain could ever come to. Correct. There, I trust. Yeah. Yeah. So 
before we wrap up this incredible show, because I feel like this could go on for six hours and our listeners would probably stay on for six hours. They might pause it. Tell, why do you believe our listeners should experience, and I'm going to say in quote, a transformation, because I feel like it is part of what you do, why you do it. So um, why do you believe our listeners should experience that? I believe they should experience a transformation because it, it really is magical. I mean, every change process, 100%, it's, it's going to bring about discomfort. I, you know, I'm, I'm being fully transparent, but it also brings about, um, like there's a beauty in it. When you, when you really watch yourself go through something that you didn't think you'd be able to handle. Um, there's, it's a beautiful moment. And I think actually the change process, the, the fact that change can simultaneously include discomfort and beauty really speaks to the magical, you know, the magic in the process. You know, the fact that those two things can be happening at the exact same moment it's like, that's pretty awesome. And, and, you know, transformation, big or small, right. It then opens the door to the next transformation, because once you've done, once you've completed one transformation, it's like, holy moly, like what else could, could be possible for me? Um, and, and that I love. Because I, I do not believe any of us should be defined by our circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Heidi, I think that everybody on the show is going to want to continue a Heidi dialogue. So I think you should share the different ways they can reach out to you, ways they could learn about the transformation method, um, place to email you, place to follow you, and because I tell everybody psychotherapy is so key. Some of us are grownups and are still dealing with problems we've had since we were five. Go to a psychotherapist. Uh, tell them how they can reach you in each of these wonderful areas. Yeah, 100%. So I actually, I make it really easy for people. You can find me by my name, Heidi Groose. It rhymes with Seuss, but it's spelled differently. So it's G-R-U-S-S. You can find me on, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and, you know, all those fun places there. It's also the same address for my website, which is HeidiGruce.com, right? See how simple, but also, you know, this, there's something about um, this interview that feels so personal. And I think it's because of the work that you're doing, right? With, with your listeners, they're trying to create their own personal story, leave a legacy. I mean, that's what's more personal than your own story. Um, I, I would love to hear from you personally, and you will hear back from me personally if you email me at hello at HeidiGruce.com. Um, so shoot me a quick email um, and, and let me know what you thought. Let me know what nuggets of information were super helpful for you. And I look forward to that connection. Thank you so much, Heidi. I love, as always, spending time with you. And this is one of those sort of situations where it's like sitting with your best girlfriend. And I never want this conversation to end. I so agree. I loved spending the early afternoon with you. And I'm going to look forward to many more of these. Thank you. Thank you so much for blessing our listeners with, I mean, besides all of this incredible, all of these things that, and pieces of wisdom Heidi's imparted on everyone. You're missing this beautiful smiling face, which when you log onto the website, you'll see, but she is all that. So thank you so much, Heidi. If you feel inspired by this show, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes or subscribe to the show since I update the topics weekly. And if you feel there are others who would like this show, please take a screenshot of the show, add it to your Instagram story, and tag me at mymagnusopus. Also, I'd like to get to know you, so please join our email list by signing up at 
www.mymagnusopus.com. You can also join our private Facebook group of like-minded legacy storytellers by going to My Magnus Opus Community. Thanks so much for tuning in. May your day be full of abundance in everything you do and keep your head up always. Until next time, I'm sending you love and light.